Welcome to Nomad Yarners, the fiber arts podcast with a bit about the rest of life thrown in. Hosted by Dave and Erica, husband and wife yarn shop owners in Indiana, USA. This is episode 67, recorded the week of Halloween 2018. Today's segments include What You're Working On, Witty Knits, Sponsored Pattern, and In the Kitchen, the Halloween edition. Uh, so sit back, get comfy, and enjoy the show. Welcome! Ah, 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 ah. Yeah, please don't talk in that voice the whole time. <laughs> so, Erica, what have you been working on this week? This week, with knitting, uh, I finished Dave's hat. Hooray! I feel like I've been working on it for two months. And Poppy's now decided it's her hat. She has, and it's wildly too big for her, but it kind of scrunches up on her head yeah, and it looks really cute. cute. Um, so, this is out of some of my hand-spun yarn, uh, vintage hand-spun that I don't remember when I made it or what fiber I used. Um, but it's kind of a self-striping teal and brown and white, and there's a little bit of orange in there. Yeah, it's kind of a a hodgepodge kind of... Yeah, it could be a Halloween-y sort of color. Yeah. Um, I made a hat for the one-year-old, Baby Rowan, um, out of it, and I had absolutely tons left over, and so I made a hat for Dave out of it that I just finished, and I still have quite a bit left over. I'm trying to decide if I want to blend it with another yarn to make stripes and make hats for Poppy and I so we have family hats. Uh, That would be particularly obnoxious. Uh, And so I finally finished that hat. That was exciting. I have been doing quite a bit of knitting on my short row lace piece that I'm doing out of the Stargazer yarn, which is a beautiful llama and silk blend um i'm doing it on like a charcoal gray color yeah it's it's this is really beautiful yarn it feels fantastic it's going to be super warm it's super squishy and it has a slight iridescence to it with the silk um and i am doing a two skein project and i just decided to let the amount of yarn in the skein decide how big the piece was going to be so it's a it will be sort of a crescent shaped so it's not quite a half circle Um, and I started at one of the narrow ends and I did a bunch of increases and then just a little bit of straight knitting until I ran out of yarn. And then I made the second, the, until I ran out of the first ball of yarn and that decided when I was halfway. And then I, um, started decreasing just a little bit sooner so that I knew that I would have enough with my second ball. And I may put some sort of, uh, small edge treatment on it. Um, I am doing this piece um, the short way. So generally, if you were going to do a crescent shape, you would go like along the long uh, kind of straight edge of it um, in that direction with your knitting. But I am going back and forth the short ways. So I started off with like two stitches on my needle and increased to about 70 stitches on my needle. And I'm now in the process of decreasing back down again. Um, but doing it this direction, I am doing, I'm sure there's a name for this stitch pattern. It's four rows of knit and one row of purl. So you end up with, um, looks like four rows of stockinette stitch and then one garter stitch ridge. I've done this uh, fabric before. I really like knitting it. Um, I don't love knitting in all garter stitch where you just knit every stitch of every row. It grows more slowly, all garter stitch, um, and I don't love the way it looks. It creates a thicker fabric that is just not to my personal taste. Um, So this stitch pattern where you knit three rows and purl one row, I like the way it looks a lot better and it grows a lot faster, creates a thinner fabric. 
and the little bit of of garter stitch that's in there does cut down on the rolling yeah, but it doesn't it completely some... do away with the curling on the edges it gives us some interest and texture as well yeah um but i may want at the end to pick up stitches and do a, a half an inch of garter stitch along the long straight edge to encourage it to be all the way flat and not curl up uh, because if you just do garter stitch it lays flat and you don't get any curling if you just do stockinette stitch it curls like crazy this is sort of halfway in between <laughs> um so blocking it it will be flat for a while but as you wear it, it it will probably start to curl up on you so i'm undecided about if i'm gonna like the aesthetic of that the or not the fiber that that is in is going to want to kind of drape out and hang fairly flat so yeah. you might be able to get away with it yep it'll i'll i'll see when i get there it'll be pretty either way yep um so i feel like i've made a lot of progress with that it also has some short rows and a little bit of lace in there um i'm i'm getting excited it's been a fun project to work on finished dave hat dave's hat been working more on my short row piece also um in the sewing room i've done just a little bit of sewing this week uh, I am still working on Rowan's entertainment blanket. Um, it's about a three foot by three foot square quilt made out of um, big squares cut out of my late grandfather's uh, flannel shirts that he always wore to make the fab or the the main body of the quilt. Uh, I put a road, like a big black, I don't know, seven inch wide circle on it. Um, that I am stitching yellow strips on so that it looks like a road. And then I'm putting little houses down the sides of it um, where the house the, the house part is actually a pocket to slide cars into. And I'm going to have one is going to close with a button and one with a snap and one with a zipper and that kind of thing. Um, so it'll be kind of half busy book, it's gonna half be obnoxious quilt. It will be really cute. I'm, I'm pleased. I've made three of the houses i plan to make five um total and one of them i'm not thrilled with but the other two i'm i'm quite pleased with i'm giving them all of the bodies of the houses like the square or rectangle is made out of one of the fabrics that is in the actual quilt to kind of try to tie it together and then the roofs of also each five each of the five houses is done with a different fabric from the quilt and then I am doing the roofs all exactly the same fabric as all of the other roofs. And that is also one of, that's a sixth one of the fabric that's in there. So it will kind of all tie together theoretically and look a little bit more cohesive. Um, this is a loud quilt. It's made from nine different flannels, um, or not flannels, plaids. Nine different plaid, um, kind of fighting just a little bit. Um, but I think it's fun. I'm, I'm really liking it. I'm hoping to get it done because we are leaving in 10 days on vacation. <laughs> um, and I hope that this will be the sort of entertainment in the airport and on the airplane and be a blanket to cover up with in the airport and on the airplane. We'll see if I get it done. It will not be the end of the world if I don't. I'm sure you will. Um... And that is all I've been doing sewing-wise. It's been a rough week for sleep. Um, when I don't get enough sleep because children are awake all night, every night, 
it just makes me not a very good human and I don't have energy to do anything. So even if I'm awake after the kids have gone to bed, I just can't get off the couch and do anything, which is a bit of a bummer. You've watched a lot of TV. I I have. Um, not, not my very favorite thing to do. Outside of the sewing room, although ironically I am storing it in the sewing room, um, <laughs> uh, in the kitchen this week, I mentioned, I don't know, a month ago that I had started to try to do some kombucha brewing just in case you didn't know that I was a bit of a hippie. And I mentioned when I talked about it before that I was growing my own SCOBY, um, which stands for Symbiotic Culture of Yeast and Bacteria. Bacteria and yeast so that it's spelled SCOBY. Um, from a store-bought bottle of kombucha, you basically dump a store-bought bottle of kombucha in some sweet tea and you leave it sit out on your counter for a month. You have to make sure that you have the correct crystals kind of around it and... <laughs> Send some chalk circles first. Send it healing energy. Yeah. <laughs> I like <laughs> making weird, unusual things that I haven't made before, and I like the way kombucha tastes. Those are the only two reasons that I wanted to do this project. If you have other reasons to like kombucha, that is wonderful for you, and I'm thrilled, but that's not why I'm doing it. So I did that. I thought that something was growing on my kombucha starter that was not supposed to be there, but I was wrong. Um, it, something was growing, but it was what is supposed to be there. So when you do this, it looks really weird. It looks like this cannot possibly be right. Um, keep going. Maybe don't drink it if you're not sure, um, that it's going (laughs) correctly. Leave it a couple more days to see that it really does develop into, it almost looks like a mushroom on the top of your, um, of your tea. I think it looks kind of like a placenta, um, or like a jellyfish. It's not it's like a cleary white sort of color um but so i successfully made a scoby from a store-bought bottle and then this week i have used that scoby so that like jellyfish looking thing um along with a couple of cups of the super strong brewed kombucha that was sitting growing it for a month uh to start a big batch like a gallon batch um in a in a crock that the only place i can put it where children cannot flip it over is on in the craft room because that's the only room in our house that the children are not allowed to go in so the short version of that is erica is making some very complicated rotting tea in our craft room Yes, um, our craft room smells like vinegar um, as it's growing away, but it's fun. I feel like ha- this is about as much of a pet as I think I will ever be able to handle because uh, you get to check on it to see what it looks like and if it's doing what it's supposed to do. But unlike a real pet, if you forget it for a week, it's actually even better than if you poke it every day. Um so I'm not cut out for pet ownership. This is as close as I'm ever going to get. I've been testing it daily. Um, I think we're a couple of days from ready to bottle. And I will put some fruit juice in it to do a secondary fermentation, uh, which means it will taste fruitier and have bubbles. Uh, this is a non-alcoholic beverage, um, or at least not a very strongly alcoholic. Um, About 0.3% or something. Yeah, silly. so I mean, you'd have to drink like a six-pack of kombucha to get the equivalent of like half a glass of beer or something um it's not something that you drink if you want to get drunk um that is what i have been working on this week what have you been working on this week i have been working my butt off in the studio um firstly in the dye studio i've got my um my halloween colorways finished and they're going to be going out i'm going to show them at knitting club tomorrow and we'll have them available until this weekend in the eight ounce skeins that I dye them in, and I'm going to be making those up into four ounce cakes. 
since it so, is a sock yarn. Since it is a sock yarn, yeah. Four um, ounces would do you a pair of socks. Eight you, ounces would do you a giant And if shawl. you have tiny feet, it will make you two pairs of socks. It's, you get about 560 yards, so it goes a very long way. So I have just a very limited number of those. Um, They're really batch. pretty. There's two sitting on the um, behind the counter that I saw when I had to go down and get the recorder this evening because I forgot it. So if you do come by the store... Um, I guess this will go out on Saturday. So if you come by the store today, ask for the super secret sock yarn that hasn't been wound up yet. I have done three colorways. Um, one in a kind of sweet tarts colorway, um, sort of pastel kind of bright colors. One in a Reese's Pieces colorway, which is... That was my favorite. Yellows and orange and um, the beautiful chestnut color, which when you speckle it, gives you lots of different mid-tones. And then one in the... Uh, I'm calling it Babe Ruth. Um, it's the colors of a Babe Ruth uh, chocolate bar. Isn't it Baby Ruth? Yeah, it's Baby Ruth. Okay, Babe Ruth is the baseball player. Baby Ruth is the candy bar. That's how much I know about baseball. Yep. I'm proud that I knew he was a baseball player. That's that's as much as I know as well. He's the only baseball player I know who's got a candy bar named after him. But it's a very distinctive colored uh, candy bar wrapper. So um, I'm going with those three. So they, they're pretty. I think they, they came out pretty fun. Um, I've had a couple of people stop on by to preview them already. And I've only got one uh, skein left of the uh, Sweet Tart colorway. As uh, the others have all been purchased already. And we, I will make sure to get pictures of those in the show notes. If you are interested in seeing our show notes, which have lots of pictures every week and links to the things that we talk about, we send those out as an email um, once a week. They go out on Sunday evenings after the, the podcast episode comes out on Saturday mornings. Um, and if you go to our website and click on the picture of the envelope, you can sign up for our emailed newsletter and you'll get those once a week. And I will be putting um, some pictures out of that on our social media. I took some today and didn't get a chance to upload them. Okay. Um, in the painting studio, I have been working hard on finishing a couple of projects. Um, one is due tomorrow, and I finished that last night. And then the other one is due on um, November 6th. So I've just got a couple of days left to finish that. So My dad's birthday. Once those are complete, um, it's a bunch of War Machine models and the last of the Kingdom Death Monster board game. Um, once those are complete, I'm going to take a breather for a couple of days as if I'm sweating to get those finished, maybe work on my own stuff. And then I've got a few small projects lined up. And I'll also be painting um, Cool Minion Cool Mini or Not has just released uh, a song of ice and fire. Um, the Game of Thrones board game. So I have that lined up. I know it's in the mail. I've received the Kickstarter exclusives for that. And I have the rest of that coming out to me. That's going to occupy me for a little while, along with a couple of other things. So if you are a fan of big TV shows, it'll be something that everyone will recognize. I'll be painting for a while. Good deal. Everyone but me. <laughs> everyone but you. I don't watch either, so... <laughs> I've got. I've been given lots of pictures of the of the TV show to be able to paint from. Um, in the kitchen, we've been making more fall treats. Um, we've got some really fun stuff coming in our veg boxes now. Um, so we get the imperfect produce 
veg boxes, which we definitely recommend. Uh, you get some We're really not interesting sponsored. Things. We just like them. Yeah, we just like them. Um, so it's the stuff that grocery stores wouldn't buy. It's either like potatoes that are too big or too small or stuff that there was just too much of and the shops didn't want it. And so they package it up and it shows up on your doorstep once a week. Um, it's worked out really, really well for us. We did cancel a week or two of it right around the, around the retreat. The knitting retreat. Yeah. Um, and life got very chaotic. Um, but it's fun. And Poppy is always excited because there's always grapes in our box. And that's one of her favorites. <laughs> so she's excited when she sees it. Yeah. you. Um, it's seasonal produce. So whatever is available then, um, there's kind of limited choices. But we always get a nice variety. Um so we've been making some things with that and we've had a little bit of produce come out of our garden as well, including some pumpkins. So I'm going to be talking about our pumpkin pasta sauce. Yep. Halloween exclusive. It is actually Halloween today when we are recording. Uh, we put the children to bed in sugar comas from trigger treating. Yeah, they went out uh, this evening uh, just to a little trunk or treat down the road. Um, Poppy dressed as a monkey and Rowan dressed as a little leopard. It was and supposed it. to be the other way around, but Poppy threw a conniption fit because she wanted <laughs> to be the monkey. Which is fine. She has a preference. That's allowed. But we had fun. That's about it this week. Yep. So, Erica, I hear you've been stepping out with your knitting this week. Uh, This week, I wanted to talk about shopping to accessorize or or go with your hand knits or crochets. Um, I feel like I keep naming the segments witty knits when they actually apply equally well to crochets. Um, But... This week, I wanted to talk a little bit about how to choose shoes to go with your hand-knit socks. That was a difficult sentence. Well done. It was. um, Because hand-knit socks are not going to behave the same way in shoes that commercially purchased socks are. And so if you knit a lot of socks for yourself um, or have someone in your life who knits you a lot of socks or purchase a lot of socks that are made on a machine using um, hand knitting sock yarn, which is a thing we sell them in our shop and a lot of other shops and at fiber festivals and stuff you will get. Um, You will get those. You are going to need to make different footwear choices um, that if you were just going to wear um, either sort of dress socks um, or just athletic uh, store-bought cotton socks. And I think the best way to do that is to wear a pair of your hand knit or the the socks that you typically wear that is representative of all of, of, of as many of them as you can. So if you have um, some a, a few pairs that are a little bit thicker or a few pairs that are a little bit thinner, but the majority, try to pick a pair of socks that is similar to most of the socks that you're trying to, to work with. If you do have kind of half and half, you have a lot of much thicker weight uh, hand knit socks and a lot of the traditional like fingering weight, you may bring both thicknesses of socks with you to the to the shoe store. How do you feel about one on each foot? Unfavorably. <laughs> Nearly everyone's feet are two different sizes. Every double pair of body parts on every human, uh, they're not identical sizes. So... I like your thinking. I don't actually think that's a good idea. Um, so take your pair, bring your pair of socks, and just wear them with you if you want to, um, or or throw them in your bag to wear. Um, and when you get to the store, find a pair of shoes in a style that you like. Pick the size that you normally would get, and then also pick up the next size larger. 
Um, if they happen to have half sizes, you might grab the one halfway in between two. Um, so I generally wear a size eight and a half. I picked up a size eight, a size nine, and a size 10 of the exact same shoes. And I put my socks on and then I put my shoes on and I could tell right away that the size eights were too small. Um, I The reason that I got a size eight as my feet used to be a size eight and then I had two babies and my feet grew. So I wore a size eight shoe for 20 years. I have a hard time remembering that I don't still wear a size eight shoe. Um, so I didn't even get the size eights all the way on um, before I knew that those were too small. Nines normally for me are a little on the loose side, um, but do still work okay. Um, and uh, tens normally with normal socks would be, uh, would be much bigger than I would normally wear. Um, and so I put on, with my hand knit socks, I put on the size nine, half a size larger than I normally go. And I walked around for a while. Um, just in general, when I'm trying shoes on, uh, I make no secret of the fact that 100% of my feelings about shoes have to do with how comfortable they are to walk around in and how easy they are to put on. Um, so I, whether I'm trying them on with my hand knit socks or not, um, I like to walk around the store for like five or 10 minutes, not just down the aisle and turn around and come back. Um, this was helped by the fact that both of my children were there. And so I was running frantically after them, trying to have them not kill themselves. Uh, that's not entirely true. Poppy found an empty box and had set herself up as a burger bar. And Rowan was going and standing next to some strange lady watching her try on shoes. <laughs> <laughs> so I walked around for several, several minutes with the hand knit socks to really get a sense of not only could I physically get these shoes on, but were they comfortable to wear? Um, or was the extra fabric in the shoe really going to compress things and make them feel uncomfortable and make them feel like there wasn't enough room for my toes? And then I did the exact same thing with the size 10 shoes and walked around. Um, and I did decide to go with the size nines. So it was just half a size up from what I would normally do. I think the size tens would have worked, um, but I think the nines really were a little bit more comfortable uh, for me. I also um, would recommend probably take a pair of your regular socks as well. Um, and after you've picked the size that you think is going to work the best for your hand knit socks, try those same shoes on with your normal socks and see if those those shoes will be wearable with standard socks. Um, it really is going to depend um, on how many and how, how many pairs of hand knit socks you have and how often you wear them as to if it truly makes sense in your life to have a pair of shoes that will only work with hand knit socks and that you will not be able to wear with the commercially purchased socks. Um, I wear, once it's properly cold outside in the winter, I wear either hand knit socks or the, the knit by a knitting machine, but with a hand knitting sock, uh, that thicker yarn wool socks every single day. I, and for four months a year, I wear 100% of the time I wear like a, the equivalent of a hand knit sock. And so to me, it truly makes sense to purchase a pair of shoes that I can only wear with hand knit socks because I will wear them every single day. So you talked about sizing. Are there any particular styles of shoe you think is good? Any particular ways that the shoe fastens that work better for hand knit socks? I have very few recommendations for shoes because I wear very few shoes. Um, right at this minute, I own three pairs of shoes. 
Um, I got rid of my summer sandals because they fell apart on my feet and I had to walk home barefoot to get a different pair of shoes when they disintegrated while I was at work. Um, and so I own a pair of like faux fur lined boots for when it's really cold. I own a pair of just regular, uh, boots that I are my everyday boots and I own a pair of running shoes. And those are the only three shoes that I own. And but both of those boot styles are kind of ones that adjust to the side to make it... Yeah, they're, they're just above the ankle length. So they're not, uh, they're not super tall. Um, and they zip. Both of them happen to zip. Although I've, uh, for many, many years, I wore Ugg style boots that just pulled on and didn't have a fastener. I think all of those work just fine. Um, if you're worried about not paying attention while you're zipping and running the zipper over your hand knit socks maybe a zipper wouldn't be a great idea but I've worn these every day for months with with the hand knit socks and I've never caught my sock in them so I don't think that would be a huge issue um but the moral of my story about how few pair of shoes I have is I am I'm not in a position to tell people what style shoes they should wear um I do find wearing hand knit socks with shoes that have cutouts where you can see a fairly large portion of your sock don't work very well for me. Um, so I have some almost like Mary Jane style shoes that I ha had in the past um, that I try to put my feet in and it just feels like the, the slightly thicker fabric of the hand knit sock kind of billows out around the, the holes that go down farther onto your foot and I don't care for the way that that looks and it seems like things shift around a little bit more. Um, your yardage may vary, that may be a specific to me thing. Um, but I would probably choose shoes that cover the majority of your foot. Um, if you're going to do hand knit socks, how do you feel about those clear rain boots? Personally, I do not wear rain boots. Um, I am not organized enough to choose my footwear based on the weather. Um, so for me, I wouldn't get any use out of those. Um, it has taken me many years to realize that I want to own no more than three pairs of shoes at a time. You could be like Poppy and wear rain boots even when it's sunny. It's true. She did do that for a large portion <laughs> of the summer. Um, 90 degrees and not a cloud in the sky, rain boots, and she's tiny, so they come up to like her thighs. <laughs> um, so that, uh, if that is something that appeals to you, I also don't find rain boots all that comfortable to walk around in. I feel like they're, they make my feet a little bit sweaty. Um, when I have worn them in the past, they're not designed with, to be super supportive. I have bad feet. Um, so I need something that, um, really like I need a good quality, like an old people orthopedic shoe is kind of what I, what I need to wear so that I'm not in agony by the end of the day. Uh, so I don't like rain boots for, for that reason. So it's time to stomp off to our sponsored pattern section. This week's sponsored pattern is going to be called the twined sampler mitts uh, this is a pattern from a few years ago when i was very excited to try the twining technique i probably should have looked up the pronunciation because i've only ever read this i've never heard somebody say it out loud so i'm assuming that i'm pronouncing it correctly and that it's not twin um, but this technique is sort of a variation on a fair isle um, probably people who are very familiar with the history of those two techniques would beg to differ. But in terms of how they are accomplished with the act of knitting, um, these are going to be done uh, very similar. 
similarly. The biggest difference between twined knitting and fair isle knitting has to do with how you manage your yarn in the back. Um, so on the wrong side of your piece, the part that you are not going to see. Um, and that does change the characteristic of the fabric that you're making um, and, and give it a little bit of a different look. Uh, so with Fair Isle, uh, you can do more stitches in one color before you change to a second color. Um, and when you are catching your floats on the back side of a Fair Isle piece, you can twist your yarns around each other in, in either direction. And generally, um, especially if you're a more experienced Fair Isle knitter, um, if you were doing a Fair Isle piece that has a white yarn and a black yarn, uh, you would bring the white yarn up over the black yarn and the black yarn down under the white yarn uh, so that you are twisting and then untwisting your two yarns so that you don't constantly have to do yarn management where you're physically unwinding the two yarns from each other. If, you, um, if you've done a lot of Fair Isle, you kind of get in the habit of picking things up so that your yarns do not get tangled with each other. That is not actually possible to do with twined knitting. Bum, bum, bum. Because the entire point and how you are making the fabric, um, changing the characteristic of the fabric with this technique, is you are constantly going to be picking up the yarn the same way. So you're going to be picking the yarn up over... Uh, the one underneath it, regardless of what color or what yarn you're working with. Um, and generally, you change colors every stitch uh, with the traditional twined piece. Uh, so these are called the twined sampler mitts because I crammed as many different uh, techniques that it's possible to do with twining into one, um, into one mitt. You can do uh, interesting things with this technique uh, to create, they almost look like braids or uh, ropes uh, that has to do with how you're picking the yarns up over each other to create different uh, textures that kind of stand out um, so they're not flat against your fabric. They're actually a three-dimensional. It almost looks like a like a you braided the yarn and then applied the braid after you'd finished with the knitting. Um, but it's actually done with the technique itself. Uh, so you uh, you do a a two-color cast on with it. Uh, you do a couple of different of those braiding techniques with single colors. Uh, you do some of the braiding techniques with multiple colors, and then you finish off doing a uh, two-colored stripe at the top. Uh, so you do some single color twining, uh, knitting, and then some two color twining knitting. knitting. It's a fun little technique to do. I enjoy doing it. They are small enough that dealing with the tangled yarn doesn't drive you completely insane before you finish the mitt uh, because it is not possible to do this technique without, um, without getting your yarn uh, twisted up. So it's worth a look, especially if you enjoy trying new techniques. Um, and if you find Tangled Yarn to be scary, this is the perfect Halloween project to take the scary away from it uh, because it's really not that bad. So do you have a treat for our listeners? I do have a treat to go with the trick. Um, you can get your free copy. We are, we are changing things up a little bit with our coupon codes. We are going to start doing the free three so the coupon code will give you three days worth of this uh, pattern for free. So the podcast comes out on Saturday. The coupon code will work to get you the um, a free copy of the pattern 
all day Saturday, all day Sunday, and all day Monday. So don't delay if you want your copy. Uh, enter the coupon code today. And what is the coupon code this week? No more tangles. Okay, no more tangles. And that, that is the twined sampler mitts, and that's T-W-I-N-E-D. Twined sampler mitts by me, Erica Kemp Barton. And everything will be all linked up in our uh, show notes that you can sign up for on our website. So Dave, why don't you take us into the kitchen on this spooky Halloween night? Okay, well, everyone out there is probably fed up of carving pumpkins and pumpkin spice right now. But there were lots of forlorn looking pumpkins kind of hanging around, the ones that didn't get carved. Um, those little pumpkins that never got bought at the store. Well, pumpkin is delicious, and pumpkin is delicious in savoury dishes. So I wanted to give you all a recipe for one of the things that I cooked this week. Um, I made a, a creamy um, herb pumpkin sauce, and then uh, we served that with pasta and meatballs. So for the pumpkin sauce... Uh, I started off with just one of those little pie pumpkins. I didn't really measure it. Um, the best way I found of um, kind of getting the pumpkin out of these is use your biggest knife you have, um, make sure it's nice and sharp, and cut it into quarters. Just scoop the seeds out with a spoon. And then I actually like to peel them with a vegetable peeler. If you get a really big pumpkin, that's difficult to do. But with the smaller pumpkins, you can do it quite easily. So peel it with your vegetable peeler. Uh, chunk that into about kind of one inch cubes um, and put that in a large pan. I also added in two fairly finely chopped small onions. I put those in the pan, put a large kind of knob of butter in there and then heat it up to uh, kind of saute slowly, sweat the onions until they start to just kind of caramelize in there. I then added two um, large cloves of garlic that I crushed and chopped very finely. Let that sweat down for a little bit. And then um, we started adding in some herbs and spices. So I like really like um, sage with pumpkin. I think it goes fantastically. So we have lots and lots of sage plants here at the house. So we uh, pick so some many fresh sage. sage plants. I love sage plants in the garden. They just work really well. They look pretty, and they're, they're drought tolerant. They're and hard they smell to kill. Great, and they taste good. Um, so I picked some fresh sage, about three or four fresh sage leaves. You don't want to overpower it. The pumpkin's quite a delicate flavor. Um, chop those up finely. Then we added um, some chives and some fresh rosemary as well. A bunch of black pepper and a little bit of um, truffle salt. Um, I like that little bit of kind of black truffle in there. Um, we keep truffle salt around. You could use like truffle oil if you have it. This is an optional ingredient, but it adds a little bit more kind of savoriness to the dish too. Um, and it has kind of an almost kind of garlicky, oniony kind of um, savory flavor. So a dash of that in, let that kind of saute in for a second, really coat everything. And then I just added in um, some hot water um, just to kind of deglaze the pan as it started to stick and get the pumpkin to start to cook. You want to add enough water that everything is just covered. So at this point, um, you can stick your lid on and let it kind of start to simmer. I then prepared some concentrated uh, vegetable bouillon 
um, to add in on the top. You can use vegetable or chicken, whatever you have hanging around. You can use pre-made stock if you want to. And I added about two cups of concentrated stock to that. And again, let it kind of simmer away. Um, we want to basically cook that now for, it probably took about 20, 25 minutes until the, the pumpkin has just started to really become nice and tender. At that point, I turned the heat down really low and I added in um, about a quarter of a tub of sour cream and started to really kind of stir that into the mixture as well. That just adds a little bit more richness to the sauce. Once that kind of stirred in and everything is mixed nicely together and the pumpkin was really nice and soft, I, I creamed the sauce. So we took our immersion blender. Um, if you've not ever seen one of those, there it's you don't have to pour it into a blender or a food processor. It's like it's a stick yeah. blender. It goes in and it goes and it pops back out again. It takes two seconds. It's the yeah, best little invention ever. Fantastic for sauces and soups and things like this. So, yep, just got our stick immersion blender, stuck it on high power. And um, you want to turn the heat off before you do this. Um, and yeah, hammered through, really made that into a really nice, rich cream sauce. Stuck the heat back on low, um, so that was heating, um, just because the other components took a little bit longer. So I, um, at the same time as making all this, I had boiled some pasta um, to serve with that, and then we'll top the whole dish with Parmesan cheese. Um, so just uh, drain your pasta, toss in some of the sauce, um, plate that, and add the Parmesan cheese on top. And that is a fantastic dish on its own. Um, I also decided to make some uh, spicy pork meatballs to go with this, um, as I think they go really nicely with it. So I took some just um, basic plain pork sausage, and it's already got some herbs in it. Um, we're going to use some of the hard herb flavors and a little bit of heat um, that we added in with the pumpkin, just to give it a little bit um, kind of of depth, make everything tie together. So for these, I used the one pound package of sausage meat. I used um, two ends of bread, kind of stale uh, bread ends. I put those in our, our normal blender, our standing blender, um, along with, um, Erica had some crackers that she made a little while ago that we've been eating on. There were just a few left of those. Um, you could use a, a maybe kind of seven or eight Ritz crackers or something like that, or some kind of pre-processed breadcrumbs actually spun that up in the um, blender first to make sure that we had a nice fine crumb. Into that I added, um, we had some cilantro, uh, fresh cilantro, so I added that in, a bit of parsley, um, and again some finely chopped garlic, a couple of cloves there. I also added in um, some ground chipotles and a little tiny touch of salt. Um, Blended all that up together, make sure it was nicely mixed. Added the sausage meat. Again, ran and mixed that and one egg to hold everything together. And then I shaped those into kind of an inch diameter balls. So you get a normal meatball. Normal meatball kind of size. Um, and then just put those on the stove and sauteed them in our nonstick pan. Um, if you, I started making those directly after I'd started um, the soup and got that simmering. If you make them at the same time, everything will be ready about together. So I just cooked those until they were evenly browned all the way around, served them on top of my pasta with the parmesan, and sat down and enjoyed a nice full meal. 
It was it was very good. I uh, it took me a couple of years to admit to Dave that there was one thing that he cooked that I did not like, and it was pumpkin or like butternut squash soups because they always tended to have a little bit of sweetness to them and it was just really jarring and wasn't something that I liked and so I'm always leery when he does <laughs> a savory dish with um with pumpkin but uh since I told him that I didn't care for the way that he had done those soups in the past he has been extra uh, conscious of making sure that there was plenty of salt and heat um, spice uh, in in with them, and it was good. This, this did not have any of that weirdness of like s- sweet hint to it I really that those enjoy, vegetables can have. I really enjoy pumpkin as well. Um, it, it does have a little bit of kind of sweetness to it, but if you actually cut the pumpkin up and roast it um, just with a little bit of butter, that does give you a little bit of kind of caramelly kind of flavor to it make a similar sauce but again with a a slightly different spice blend so i'd use a bit more almost like curry spices so lots of uh, coriander seed a tiny touch of cumin um and some red chili a little bit of salt and again like sour cream or cream cheese or something to kind of enrich it and that does give you a, a sweeter flavor which is something that erica didn't like i enjoy it but it's again it's it's to your palate Okay, so that was my Halloween in the kitchen special. Good deal. Okay, we're going to go off and have a a spooky rest of the evening. So enjoy your week. Thanks for listening, everyone. Find us on Facebook on our group Nomad Jana's Podcast, on Instagram as Nomad Jana's, or on Ravelry in our group Nomad Jana's. Find show notes with links to things we talked about on today's show on our website, nomadjanshop.com slash podcast. And as I tell all my classes, in crafting, if you're having fun, you're doing it right.